This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Josh and Joe remote in to discuss the law and how it affects everything around us. And as always, here on The Outlaw Lawyer, our attorneys tackle all the urgent burning legal questions such as, what is special master? Did the band Nirvana create child pornography? And did NC State get lucky in football for a change? That's all coming up next on The Outlaw Lawyer. And now, Outlaw Lawyer. Welcome into the Outlaw Lawyers, hosted by Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, offices conveniently located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now Moorhead City. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, and we talk legalese each and every week. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. If you've got a legal situation that you are facing and you have questions, I've got a phone number for you. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact info, briefly what the call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can always email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And please check out that website. It is a good one, theoutlawlawyer.com. All right, gentlemen, let's get into our conversation. It's a light sparring as we open up the show. What's on your mind right now? Well, Morgan, you know, uh, here at the Outlaw Lawyer, we like to talk about the law. That's what we're here for. We're talking about legal news, legal items, answering listener questions about the law. We're lawyers, but we never seem to start out talking about the law when we do these shows. Uh, there seems like there's something that we always have to get to. And, and this week, we had college football come back. So we had college football. We had all the local teams in action. Uh, that state game... That wasn't a lot of fun for me. That was a tough state game to watch. I don't know if you guys saw that. I got to see. Oh, a, I saw it. I got to see a little bit of it. And and tell me how brave I was. All right, I met my son. He's twenty two, uh, Carolina fan like like his dad. Uh, and we went to the Brick House. It is on Hillsborough Street, right across from Meredith College and the old Wonder Bread factory. Beautiful sports right. bar location. It's owned by, believe it or not, some Ohio State uh, um, alums. And the big booster club for the Buckeyes meets there, but they're also a state bar. So we get there. It's a noon kick for both games. UNC at Appalachian and NC State is down uh, in Greenville taking on the Pirates. So we get there and the place is almost full. Everybody's wearing their gear. Uh, I walk in with a Carolina blue golf shirt on. I'm the only one in there not wearing red, white or a neutral color. I sit at the bar with my son. We have two TVs and he's like, whatever you do, dad, don't ask the bartender manager to put the Carolina game on. I'm like, what are you talking about? I go, we're in a sports bar. He goes, dad, this is a state bar. I mean, all these people want to watch state. I go, well, believe it or not, I guarantee you everybody in this bar would love to at least have a couple of TVs on the Carolina game so they can watch Carolina lose. And the manager looked at me and heard me say that. And he goes, you're right. Which TV would you like it on? And we had, we had state on uh, our TV to the left and we had Carolina and app on our TV to the right. And we had a wonderful time. And to be in a bar that is that packed and that focused, not only on the state game, but also the Carolina game, it was like being at the football game. I mean, they were absolutely raucous. It was a great atmosphere. Anyway, I digress. No, oh, that's awesome. I, um, I was at the, I was at the lake, so I was watching it with the boys and, uh, I gave up on it, man. I had to go, I had to go outside, fish a little, 
uh, and take my mind off of it. And so my boys continued to watch the state game and they came out to tell me what had happened, which I was just crazy. I just knew that game was just knew that game was lost. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that was a tough one. Uh, Joe, you, you said you watched the state game. Oh, Josh, I did see the state game. I actually did see the state game. And, and I tell you, I thought it was hilarious. Um, it was a real, you know, it was a, it was a competitive game. All the credit in the world to the fans in Greenville. Fantastic atmosphere. Uh, fun game to watch. But really down the stretch, a, a true comedy of errors. And it was, you know, there were great plays, but they were offset by terrible plays. And it was like, who wants to, you know, it just seemed like state wanted to lose this game, man. And, and it seemed like they were well on their way to stating it up and, uh, and having one of those classic NC state moments, man. And all I could hear in my head as I'm watching this game. And, and like you, I thought, I thought state was going to lose it. Um, just some terrible clock management down the stretch, just some real head scratching type of decisions. And, uh, all I could hear is, is your voice in my head. <laughs> hey, Hey Joe, wasn't Duke picked last by the media? In the ACC preseason poll, and look, it just was echoing look. in my head. And, <laughs> I think uh, I was, I and think... you know, I reminded you at that point, like, hey, Josh, you need to be careful, man, because these high expectations for your your beloved NC State Wolfpack, um, you know, we've seen they have a way of crushing your hopes and dreams, <laughs> and and that's kind of where I thought things were going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I think I went on record saying we don't always trust, you know, NC State fans. We don't trust uh, ourselves, and I knew. That would be exhibit a, game. a this game, this game, <laughs> but uh, yeah, kudos to, uh, to ECU, man, that, that team, I'm interested to see what that team does. Cause uh, I definitely think we played down, but that is a, uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, and I hope they, I hope they do well. Uh, and I feel bad for that kicker. You know, anytime you see a kicker do that, that's always, I hope he bounces back and, and has a great year. I did not see that Carolina game. I, I heard about the Carolina game. Um, but didn't have that's another on one, man. That's another one with some head scratching decisions. You know, I, I watched that game. I, I kind of kept an eye on both state game ended with enough time to catch the end of the, uh, the Carolina game. And so, you know, I tell you, I was watching that game and if you didn't see it, Josh, it was nuts. I think there was, there was, I think app state alone scored was like six touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 40 points, um, just insanity. But I tell you what ha- I knew. So app state, they score. I think there's like a minute left. They score. They can kick the field goal to tie it, or they can go for two. They go for two. Guys, wide, literally wide open. So as wide open as you can be, and uh, quarterback not really under pressure, throws him the ball over his head, whiffs on it, misses it. Uh, heartbreaking moment for App State. So they come out. They're down one, less than a minute to go. They kick the onside kick. And doesn't go quite 10 yards. Guy from Carolina scoops it. And, and no timeouts at this point. All they really have to do is he, he takes a knee. He, he falls down inbounds and, or out of bounds. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's new downs. They could, they could knee the clock out. The game's over. He instead runs it all the way in. Uh, starts kind of showboating. Uh, celebrates. They get an unsportsmanlike penalty. And they go up by eight. But uh, they get this penalty. So as soon as this happens, man, I knew. I was like, that's this game. They're going to score again. Like, they haven't been able to stop them. They're going to score again. Um, and it's funny because the announcers, the announcers, it took them a while. You know, once the extra point was kicked, one of the announcers was like, yeah, that's the game. It's a two-score game. And then he realized, he was like, oh, wait, no, it's only eight points. 
Uh, um, well, if you so, were listening, if you were listening to the UNC broadcast, which you probably weren't, uh, you could hear the just dis. I mean, just the the worry uh, in the tone of Jones <laughs> Angel and and the entire um, booth. They're like, what is going on? I mean, it's like the game should be <laughs> over and there's going to be an opportunity uh, for Appalachian State to to get the victory. And I tell you, just absolutely. It was offensively just a freak show. Defensively, uh, there are a lot of question marks on both sides of the ball. But it was it was oh. crazy. It was 63 to 61, fellas. There were there were 62 points between the two teams in the fourth quarter, which I was surprised to find out that's one shy of tying the record. I don't know the record, but the fact that there's there's more points in a fourth quarter in Division One history is amazing to me. But we left where we were watching the game, probably early third quarter, thinking, you know what, this is gonna be this is gonna be pretty much done. Carolina's gonna go on to win, and then Appalachian just came all the way back. So kudos not only to App State, but to the town of Boone. Uh, they did an amazing job hosting uh, 45,000 football fans on Labor Day weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, that's crazy. And I didn't, what did Duke, I didn't actually, this isn't, uh, this isn't meant to be a jab, Joseph. I just didn't see what was the Duke. Yeah, so I, I did watch that Duke game, Josh, not knowing what to expect as a Duke fan. A lot of disappointment in my, uh, in my lifetime of watching Duke football. Some recent happy moments. Um, but, you know, Duke, new coach, uh, Coach Elko. Highly touted, a lot of positive buzz around the program. I've liked what I've seen. But again, you never really know until you see the game. And they play Temple, who's not like a true Power 5 opponent. So again, temper the expectations. But I think all things considered, went about as well as it could. The defense looked fantastic. They have a shutout for the first time in a long time against a Power 5 opponent. Uh, Quarterback went, uh, I think, 15 for 15 to start the game. They scored 24 points in the first half. Uh, Again, they record the shutout. Uh, second half, you know, kind of take their foot off the gas. Don't, don't, you know, have the same success, but very difficult to complain about really anything in the opener other than the crowd. We always complain, you know, the crowd, and it's hard to blame, you know, the true Duke fans who have seen so many disappointing and, and, and tough moments. But uh, hopefully there will be some sustained success. You know, Duke plays Northwest, uh, Northwestern this weekend, who – had a win over Nebraska. Hard to say how impressive that win was because it's difficult to say how good Nebraska really is. But that'll be a much more interesting test and a much more interesting barometer of of where Duke is. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, where you can find them. They're the managing partners. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. They are practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. Uh, guys, uh, we're going to get into a lot of different topics today. We have some fun at the open of almost every single show when it comes to non-legal topics, and we're all college sports fans, so we usually start there. But I had a question for you, and you both can chime in. Why do you do the outlaw lawyer? You know, that's a good question, uh, Morgan. We started this about, a, I guess it's been about a year ago now, maybe a year and a half that we've been doing this. But we, we thought it would be a good vehicle for the firm uh, to, to really discuss, like, legal news of the day in a non-political way, right? So we, you know, we and Joe and everybody that appears on the show, we have our political leanings, 
but I think we, in this day and age, it's, it's really helpful to have, you know, lawyers, attorneys kind of take a look at some of this stuff in the legal news and, and kind of comment on, I mean, for lack of a better word, the legality of it, what's actually happening, you know, and that's what we try to do. Uh, we also try to, to answer some basic listener questions to help, you know, people answer maybe some common legal questions that, that they encounter, but that's the, that's kind of the purpose of our show. I, I, I was out in the general public and somebody was talking to me about the show and I don't think they've made it through the whole show before. So they're like, what do you, what do you guys, a, a sports talk? I was like, no, it's, no, it's not what we're trying to do. We got to yes. ease into the legal. You can't, you can't just jump into the legal. You got to ease into the tough well, I mean, you got you guys have personalities outside the office, and I think that that lends to just the entire, you know, the feel of this show. I mean, you're you're a state fan, Josh, and you're a Duke fan, Joe. I mean, and I I went to Carolina. I'm a Carolina fan, so there's there's just this, you know, it's a trifecta uh, of you know the players that are on the air every single week. But when it gets down to the legalese, I mean, that's why you're here. So we talk about movies. And television. Yeah, we mix it up. That's my promise to our listener. If you hang in there with us, we will eventually talk about the law. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, man. Well, let's eventually get to it and let's take a break. We'll be back on the other side. And I believe we're going to talk about uh, one of the greatest rock bands, Nirvana. Uh, They're not in any kind of hot water, but it's an interesting question that is posed. We'll talk about that coming up uh, on the other side. The Outlaw Liars, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts. They are the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They are practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. If you have a legal situation you're facing and you have questions, you can always call the firm 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information. Briefly what that calls about and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can always email your questions to the show. We'll answer them on a future program. We'll leave your name out of it, uh, but you can get the answer that way. You can email questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll have more legalese discussion coming up on the other side. into the Outlaw Lawyers. Your hosts, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Offices conveniently located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We talk legalese each and every week. We also have some fun, but it, you know we get into the serious topics as well. And the first one up, we all remember Nirvana, uh, their first album. Uh, album that really went big uh, had a picture on the cover and apparently we're going to talk about it nirvana and naked babies gentlemen yeah that's that's what i that's what i titled this uh segment and so this has come up a time or two before um but the story uh the story right now is uh the baby on that nirvana so i remember that so 91 that was like early high school for me um, but I remember when that came out because uh, up until then, you know, a lot of a lot of hair metal out there, you know, and then Nirvana kind of changed that, kind of brought the grunge on. So that was a big album. I think I saw they've sold over 30 million copies. Everybody's familiar with uh, the Nevermind album from Nirvana in 1991. 
Joe, you familiar with that? You know about that? Nirv- Nirvana. Um, is that a Hindu band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm familiar, yeah. man. Well familiar. Uh, I don't know how you can be my age or, you know, I don't know how you could not be familiar with, with that. So you'll, you'll recall that album cover is kind of an iconic album cover and it's it's got a, yes, it's got a baby. I can't remember how it's a, it's a baby, right? It's under, it's it's underwater. And, uh, you, you, the, the genitals of the baby, you, you can see, right? I guess that's, it's, it's a naked baby front and center. They're not hiding anything. Yeah. Baby boy, baby boy. Correct. Right. Baby boy. Let's be Um, clear. It is a baby boy. And, and so Spencer Eldon, that's the name of, of that baby. And he's now 31 years old, which is, which is hard to process that, that, that baby could be 31 years old, but, um, he has sued Nirvana or the surviving members of Nirvana, Cobain's estate. Uh, he's done this once or twice. There's been a couple of lawsuits pertaining to this, but the most recent effort was under, uh, a law that I was not super familiar with, but, uh, Masha's law. I can't be, I might be pronouncing that it's named after, uh, a victim, uh, of, uh, child pornography. So it was a, it's a federal law that is giving victims of child pornography a way to sue, uh, the folks who created the pornography or, you know, trafficked it or distributed it for civil damages. And so, uh, that's a big news story. So he filed against Nirvana, uh, saying like, Hey, you know, I was, this was child pornography. It was distributed 30 million times and it's changed. You know, I've suffered damages and, and what have you, but, uh, Joe, have you seen this story? This is, this is not one I, I kind of, kind of delved into it yesterday because i i wasn't super familiar with this law this federal law um wanted to know more about it but it's kind of a crazy story well josh you know i haven't seen this story uh not ashamed to say my uh social media algorithm doesn't pick up uh the hot words child pornography right Um, not not saying that's how i came up on yours man but no haven't hadn't seen anything (laughs) about this very relatable story because i actually was a a naked swimming baby boy at one point in my life. So, um, you know, I can, uh, and it's, here's the thing, man. At the time, you know, that, like you said, iconic album cover. I don't really recall that giving me pause at the time, like seeing it at the time in the context, but like you think about today and like, say you've got a, a, a random naked baby, like a picture on your phone, like that's a substantial issue for you. Right. Um, but you're talking about a CD that, like you said, purchased by millions of people. So it's an interesting thing, man. And I think it's a, it's, it's interesting to look at the changes in societal norms and things like that. So just to give you some background, uh, again, and I've, I've said this before, but if there's a way to mispronounce your name, I'm going to find it. So, uh, if I ever mispronounce your name, know that I've done it to a million people before you, uh, but, but Masha's law uh, is a federal law from 2005 that was named after a five-year-old orphan uh, who was adopted. Uh, it was a Russian orphan who was adopted by an American man who got uh, convicted for producing sexually explicit images of her. Um, and what it allows the victim to do is to sue the person responsible. They don't want, there doesn't have to be a criminal conviction, um, but, but they would have to prove in, in a court of law that this was done. And this person was responsible if there's no conviction, 
but it has a statute of limitations. And that's 10 years after the victim turns 18 or 10 years after it's discovered uh, the violation or the injury. So whatever happened, you know, 10 years after it was, should reasonably be discovered. And um, looks like Mr. Eldon's lawsuit was kicked out of federal court because the statute of limitations had, had passed because um, he should have reasonably known about it when he was 18. There's a 10 year statute of limitations. So after he turned 28, you don't even get to the merits anymore, right? When a lawyer, when a lawyer sues under something like this, under a statute, the statute kind of lays out what you have to prove. Um, you know, if you don't even get to the basic elements of, of something, um, statute of limitations just, just kicks you out. And so it got thrown out. He's appealing it. His attorneys are arguing the statute of limitations is unfair. Um, and maybe I think their example was, you know, if somebody had created this kind of pornography, they could just wait out uh, the statute of limitations and then, you know, uh, not have any civil liability. Of course, there'd still be criminal liability, uh, but civil liability for it. So it's, uh, again, it's an interesting, interesting statute I was not very familiar with until this came up. But, but yeah, that's interesting, Joe, because I remember when it came out, like I do remember thinking it was kind of like it was odd. But it did not. It did not shock me. Like if that if that were to come out today, that would that would be a big. It wouldn't come yeah, out. I guess getting, is the point getting, today. You're getting raided immediately. That's not. I can't recommend if you have a band. If you're one of our listeners and you got a band and you're putting out your first album, I'm going to go ahead and, and official legal advice: don't put a naked uh, child on the cover. That's a. That's going to be my advice to you. But like you said they didn't consider the merits because of the statute of limitations issue. And I know you mentioned the the potential criticism of folks saying like, you could just wait this out, but, but it's important to, to remember the statute of limitations here. It's, it's from it. The person has to have not, you know, they have to know about this thing happening. They have to have knowledge of it. So that's, I, I think there would be a protection from someone just like you said, filming this or, or taking this and then waiting it out. Um, in this case, they didn't get to the merits, but if you look at the merits, you know, the the law requires, you know, personal Im- injury or some type of damage in, in that sense. And I think the uh, the lawyers for Nirvana, they were trying to argue that the lawsuit's basically a, a money grab and that rather than this being something that caused the, the individual Spencer Eldon damage, they're saying he actually embraced his part in the band's history and – uh now you could say, well, how can they say that? You know, that's that's very speculative. How can you say that this guy really embraced his role as that? And I think uh, if you look, you look at the fact that he literally has the album title tattooed across his chest, <laughs> and he recreated the image for the the band, the the 25th anniversary of the album. You look at those two two pieces, and it's it's tough to say that you know, he's really suffered lifelong damage as a result of this. Now, again, you don't ever want to speculate as to what someone's gone through, especially in a situation like this. But uh, two very interesting tidbits that speak to the impact this has had on him. I feel like Mr. Eldon should sue his parents. I was like, well, his, yeah, yeah, his parents are the ones who signed off on this, right? I would imagine. Like, there's that, the day, and there's the fact that, like, say, uh, let's just say theoretically, Josh, you're you're a naked baby. You, as a naked one year old, you're on an album cover, and, and and it comes out, and millions see it. How how are they going to make that connection that it's even you in the first place? You know, I couldn't pick you as a naked baby out of a lineup of a thousand naked babies, Josh. Right, right. I don't. 
I don't know. Yeah, you definitely don't want to, you know, we don't want to make light of anybody who's, who's, you know, obviously this, this law exists because there are a lot of victims out there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Spencer, I don't know if Mr. Eldon, uh, he has kind of, I, I always say turned into the skid, right? So whatever, you know, this, this may have caused him some emotional trauma or, or what have you, but he, he definitely did embrace it. And, uh, the statute of limitation thing is cut and dry, right? The statute of limitations, you know, uh, I always use the example, Joe, uh, you sell me a car, you know, I don't like it. It's a contract issue. I say you breached this contract. I've got three years to sue you. And if I don't do it, then that's it. I can't, there's not, there's nothing else to do. And statute of limitations exist, uh, you know, just, just for that. And anyway, this is kind of a, you know, it's kind of an odd statute, you know, um, trying to help folks who have been victims of a, uh, a crime and a very, very, uh, you know, a serious crime. And so it's admirable that that exists. And, you know, I don't know the statute of limitations is serving the purpose of the statute. You know, I don't know what they're trying to, to protect. Uh, they might have a good, they might have a good argument as far as, uh, you know, getting the statute of limitations changed or ruled on unconstitutional, but then, yeah, then he's still got to get down to the merits. And I think he's got a, He's got an uphill battle for sure. Yeah, I think he's going to have issues on the merits, even if you get past this issue. And with the you know the statute of limitations, you this is a situation where you know there was no this wasn't something that he didn't he didn't know about he was he didn't have any knowledge of like like you said he he knew about this it, there, this is maybe what this might be the most famous naked baby image that I can think of in our time. Like it's not it's mm-hmm. not something that crept up on anyone or that was unheard of. He knew about it for this entire the this entire period. Um, and, and rather than, than making an issue of it at, at any point, he, he actually kind of, like you said, leaned into it. And, uh, and so I think on the merits could be a, a tough sale, even if they, they beat this statute of limitations issue. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. You can find them at all of their offices. They're everywhere. Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verita, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. They are the managing partners of the firm, and they are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. So one topic down, Nirvana and Naked Babies. Again, the Spencer Eldon versus Nirvana case. Uh, Next up on the program, we're going to get into what is Special Master. That is, what is a special master. Reminder, if you've got a legal question of your own and you need an answer, you can get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer by calling 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information. Briefly what that call is about, an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the program. We'll answer them on a future show. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Check out our website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back with more Outlaw Lawyers right after this. Welcome back into the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm Managing Partners, are your hosts. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. If you are facing a legal situation, if you have a question, you can always call Whitaker and Hamer. It's 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact 
contact information, briefly what that call's about, and an attorney will be in touch from Whitaker and Hamer. You can always email your question to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. All right, what is a special master? Josh, take it away. So, Morgan, I, I've, we have it on the, here on the Outlaw Lawyer. We, as we mentioned earlier in our in our, in our opening segment, we don't like to politicize uh, anything we talk about. You know, the law, the lawmaking process, the legal process, the court process needs to be unbiased, right? It, uh, you know, anytime politics filters their way into the legal system, it's it's not good. And so, when we discuss items on this show, they I, we know that they're politically charged. We know that you know if you're a far left Democrat or far right Republican, you may interpret uh, the results, you know, the like Supreme Court decision. You did the abortion, the Dodds case is a good example. We've talked about that a lot on the show. That's obviously got political implications. uh, But we we took a look at the law and what the justices were saying and what they were relying on it, comparing it to prior decisions like that's that's kind of the purpose of this show. And so I hadn't really wanted to talk about this on the show, but I figured we'd we'd bring it up because it's just so heavily featured in the news. But, you know, former President Donald Trump, uh, his 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 residence or one of his residents, his main residence was uh, the FBI got a warrant, uh, of course, alleging that he had um, privileged information uh, that he was holding there. And and so they they got a warrant. They searched for what they were supposed to search for, took stuff out of the home. And uh, it's kind of unprecedented in a lot of ways, right? The FBI, to my knowledge, hasn't really done that to a former president. Um, and so obviously this became a big story. And depending on, on your political leanings, you probably have a different interpretation of, of what's going on um, so far legally, besides being unprecedented, like the the legal part of it makes sense, right? It's not really... The feds got a warrant um, just like they would for me or you or Morgan. And they went and they carried out their search. Um, So the the search itself is not fascinating for an attorney. I don't think it's fascinating that it's never happened to a president before. And it's, it's fascinating on how it's being reported and how it's being received. But I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that on the show. What, what actually got me to finally want to talk about it is because I kept hearing the term special master, right? And it was driving me crazy. Uh, Joe, have you been following this? Have you, have you, you seen this uh, special master language? Yeah. You know, you said a lot of words, man, and they were beautiful words, but I think <laughs> to sum to sum up your point, you know, we, we here at the outlaw lawyer, uh, we don't, it's not about the politics for us, man. And like you said, this is an interesting it's very interesting from a political perspective, but we don't care about that. I Man, I don't care about the politics. I mean, I'm not on either side. I'm for the people, the the people right. who listen to this show. Like that's that's our side. We're super neutral. You're not gonna we're not gonna go either way. So, um, like you, man, I like I ignore in my personal life just to to be a better uh, a better embodiment of the ideals of this show. I ignore all things political, Josh. So I was ignoring this story, but like you said. We love our interesting phrases and words and terms. And yes, like you, the special master, it caught my eye and um very, very intrigued. So I'm I'm very excited. I know you've done extensive research <laughs> on what a special master actually is. And I, I greatly look forward 
to this deep dive on the terminology. Well, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be short and sweet, Joseph. I collect it's a shallow dive. Don't the, dive into a shallow pool. <laughs> it's it's uh it's the the kids' pool dive here. But <laughs> I, I like to collect old history books. I like old legal books. Uh, probably there's probably a lot of attorneys, a lot of lawyers out there who do the same thing. But I like old books. So I have a a Black's Legal Dictionary. You know, if you're a lawyer, one of the first books you get in law school is your 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 Black's Legal Dictionary. Uh, this just has different terms to find. It's kind of a starting point. You know, if you hear a term that you're not super familiar with and, and I went to, I have a 1951 copy um, of that dictionary. And that's what that's I like. A good to year. Go to. It's, <laughs> it's a good year. Good year um, for dictionaries. But to sum up its definition, it does it in one sentence. It goes, a special master is appointed by a court to carry out some sort of action on its behalf. Right. So that's that's the definition. It goes into more detail. Um, but a master, uh, a special master's function is essentially investigative, uh, compiling evidence or documents to inform some future action by the court. Um, but basically, the court can appoint. Sometimes it's called sometimes they will call them an arbitrator, a special master. Uh, but it's it's someone the court is appointing to do something uh, that's not going to be done in, in open court. Right. So for here, Trump. Uh, former President Trump wants a special master appointed to go through all the documents that the uh, the feds, the FBI sees to see which ones are privileged, which ones they don't have a right to to review, um, and, and so forth. And of course, on the other side, the the feds are uh, the FBI is very concerned because there's some national secrets of varying degrees uh, alleged to be in this material. And this special master uh, is going to peruse all these, and and so uh, of course you got you got uh, things on both sides here uh, that are important. But it, uh, as of today, I think the last thing I saw was that the the judge had agreed to appoint a special master uh, to do this uh, to make sure uh, former president President Trump's uh, rights are not uh, trampled on or, or what have you. But uh, the judge that made the decision is one that Trump appointed, right? So we're running into all kinds of like conflict on, on a grand scale here. Um, and if, if anything in this order gets appealed, uh, it goes to a court where I think Trump, I might have these numbers wrong, but Trump appointed six of 11 judges, you know, that, that would normally maybe be given this case if it, it were appealed. So just tons of conflict, tons of, first right it's the first time this has kind of happened and um but anyway a special master is just uh basically someone the court appoints to investigate something review something uh you know for the court and to report back to the court because obviously none of this is going to happen in like an open court there has to be some secretive it has to be taken very seriously and very secretively um but that is what a, a special master is man that was riveting uh, <laughs> i think you did a great um, job of laying that out i want to come back and i want to come back and hit you with some follow-up or some elaboration but man i feel like you covered you covered that topic so well when i you know when i started looking at this i, I didn't think it was going to be that simple because I, I just was not familiar with that with that term it's not something i run into a lot in my day-to-day -day practice and you know, I thought a special master. Can you think of a more like I was trying to think of another title in the legal system that's as you know, it sounds like a G.I. Joe guy or like, you know, 
you know, some special, you know, military type designation. It, it sounds a lot like a term that that's that's out of favor, and that I would think like with today's society, like we're going to de-emphasize the use of that term just because of the potential connotation. You know, what do you replace it with? Though? What do you, do you re- what do you replace yeah. something of the magnitude of special master with? Oh man, Inve- and and inspector. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a word guy. I'm not the word. Uh, I'm not the word police man. I can't do that. That's leave that for the the specialists. <laughs> the special. We got to appoint a special master to. Yeah, we got to get. Yeah, we're gonna do term. a special master to figure out what we're gonna call the special masters going forward. Well, Morgan, now 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 everyone knows what a special master is. So I think we've all think right we've done our our service for that for today. The question: What is a special master now? You know, the outlaw lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts of the program. They are the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices conveniently located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, and Gastonia, and now Moorhead City. And a reminder, both Josh and Joe, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. Each and every week, we get into the legalese, the topics. You're going to have questions. Maybe you're facing a legal situation of your own and you need some answers. I have a phone number for you to get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer. It's 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information briefly, what your call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch with you. You can also email your question to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. That's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer those questions on a future program. We've got more in store for you on The Outlaw Lawyer. We have a listener question when we come up on the other side. This is The Outlaw Lawyers. Welcome back into The Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, your hosts of the managing partners, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices conveniently located Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. We get into legalese each and every week. If you've got a situation you're facing, you need some help, you got to have some questions answered, I've got a phone number for you to get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer. It's 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact info, briefly what that call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can always email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and that's exactly what we have in front of us now, Josh. We have a listener question. We do, Morgan. This is this is my favorite part of the show. You know, when we, when we take listener questions and, and we talk about them on the show, and, and for our folks who may call in or for our folks who email us, you know, if you if you come to us with a with a a legal issue. We'll certainly do everything we can to help you, educate you, get you going in the right direction. Um, but sometimes I keep seeing the same thing uh, come up. So I assume a lot of people have that question. And when that happens, I like to take, I like to take the situation, the legal situation, and I'll create like kind of like a hypothetical, you know, so we never use anybody's names. We never use anything that would identify a person. And, and for like today's question, I've seen this, you know, 10 to 15 times in the past couple of years. And so this is, this hypothetical is kind of just a merger of, of kind of the same situation coming up over and over again. But uh, this week's listener question is uh, basically my attorney, in fact, or agent is not acting in my best interest. What should I do? 
All right. So that's kind of a general question. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, but we talked about the, the legal document, a power of attorney, right? So in a legal document, you can appoint someone to be your, back in the day, we called it attorney. In fact, under the new statute, we call it an agent, but you'll hear those terms interchangeably. But I like to say attorney, in fact, because I'm older and I like the old terms better. But um, so in our situation, in our fact pattern, we have someone who has had a power of attorney drafted, uh, signed and notarized and witnessed and and all and what have you. And they've given somebody uh, the, the power, uh, they've named someone their attorney, in fact, to handle their business affairs for them, right? And so in this situation that we see come up, the attorney, in fact, is not doing that. Uh, you know, we talked about how that creates a fiduciary duty, which is a special relationship uh, where you owe, the attorney, in fact, owes the, the principal, the person who, who gave the power, uh, a special duty to act in their best interest. And so here we have, maybe we have a, you know, attorney, in fact, that's paying their personal bills using the account of the, the principal or selling property uh, to, to benefit themselves. But we, we see this happen. You know, you, you hope when you name somebody attorney, in fact, it's someone you trust and someone that will act in your best interest. But there, it does happen where that person uh, can, you know, they're in a very powerful position and they have access to your assets. And so they can uh, take advantage of you if they, if they so choose. Joe, I don't know if you see that as, as much as we do down here in the Garner and Raleigh offices, but that's the thing that happens. Yeah, you, you do see it, man. And I want to go. I want to go back. You did a great job of setting that up and bringing us in, man. But you said this is your favorite favorite part of the show, and uh, it, really, man, more than talking about a special master like that's you, you're gonna you're gonna give this the crown over over that riveting discussion, man. I I do I do, Joseph. I feel like uh, <laughs> I think the you know if you have to rate our segments for excitement level. I think the special master, I thought we, I thought we, we would have a higher level of excitement, but we really defined special master and then that was it. Yeah. It was giving it was tough, man. It was tough. We're going to bring it back right here. We're getting in touch with the people. And, uh, and I, but I agree with you, man, generally speaking, the listener question, uh, getting in tune and, and answering questions for our listeners is, uh, it's my favorite part as well. It's the number one thing we do, and it's the thing I enjoy the most. So, yes, I can say we deal with a lot of POAs here. We deal with a lot of uh, attorney-in-fact situations. And unfortunately, it it is the case, and I don't want to say it's the case more often than not. I think it's a fairly rare occurrence, but but it is the case where there can be, be situations where that attorney-in-fact is kind of abusing the privilege uh, and the responsibility that's given to them. And and they can they can overstep their bounds. And and I think what it really comes comes down to and what we really need to encourage everybody, anyone who's considering having a POA or anyone who's already appointed uh, their own attorney, in fact, to, to act on their behalf. It's very important to carefully consider, one, who you're going to give that authority to and the person that you're going to appoint, because you know, this is they, they you're giving them a lot of power and you're giving them potentially a lot of a lot of ability to do things on your behalf, to act on your behalf. So carefully consider the individual. And then and then two, I think it comes down to making sure that you're very careful in how you draft this power of attorney and, and make sure that you're consulting a professional that's fully explaining to you 
the ramifications of giving this power because you know there's there's certain things that you may want to retain the ability to do uh, but but let's be clear you give that attorney in fact the power to do something you know they're they're going to be able to do it and third parties the, the the real the real effect of that is third parties are going to be able to rely on that document so you may be able to to sue and and seek some kind of a seep some kind of uh, retribution for these actions being taken, but third parties are going to be relying on the document. And that's where you, you're going to get into a situation where it may be difficult to undo something that's been done. So it's, it's very tough to go back after the fact and, and correct something like that. So again, carefully draft, make sure you understand the power you're giving away and make sure it's somebody that you're comfortable giving that power to. Yeah, definitely. You know, if a third party relies on your, power of attorney that you're not really going to have any liability for a, you know, a good faith third party um, who was relying on your power of attorney and dealing with your agent, your attorney, in fact. So the, you know, there, the, the liability doesn't really lie there. The liability is, is a lot of the times and every, every fact situation is different, right? So you, you know, we kind of have to look at the facts, but usually what you're going to see is, you know, your first step, if this is happening, your first step is to revoke your power of attorney, right? Just stop the damage, whatever, whatever's already taken place. You, you can meet with an attorney and try to figure out how to, how to maybe reverse that or, or recoup some, some loss. But the first thing you got to do is, is you got to revoke your power of attorney. You do that. An attorney would draft a revocation for you. And uh, it's a document that you notarize and gets witnessed much like the process you went through to get the power of attorney drafted. And you have to give, you have to give notice to anyone that you know of that might have, your power of attorney, right? Um, so if your bank, a lot of times when we talk to people, we'll, we'll record the power of attorney down at the register of deeds office. So if, if that's happened, you want to record your revocation. So if anyone finds your power of attorney there, they'll also find your revocation. If your bank has a copy, you're going to want to deliver a copy to your bank or your investment advisor, or your CPA, or anyone who you know may have a copy of that power of attorney. Um, and then you know, your, your, your attorney, in fact, your agent who's acted against your best interest, who has breached their fiduciary duty. Of course, they have some civil liability. Um, you know, if, if it came to that, if you needed to sue them to recover, uh, based on things that they did against your best interest, um, you know, that's, that's again, a conversation you have to have with an attorney that's very fact-based and, and fact specific, but, but step one, Joe is, is revoking the power of attorney. Step one, revoke the POA. Um, and, and, you know, doing, getting that revocation taken care of, like if, if things start to go south with your power of attorney and you, you feel that, you know, say you have some kind of huge falling out in your relationship, like you said, step one, revoke it, uh, get it, get it revoked. And again, that's a tricky, that can be a potentially tricky concept because, we're talking about third parties who are relying on that document. And, you know, if someone's got a valid POA and they go out and they, they're doing all these things on your behalf, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to know who all they've, they've communicated with. So it's kind of a tricky situation. But at the same time, the sooner that you can get that revocation, you can show that you gave notice to everyone that, that you thought should have had notice, the better your situation is going to be if you have to, to go through some kind of litigation on the back end. But I think I think the main the main point here is you don't want to be in that position. You really got to think about you know uh, 
making sure you have a lot of trust. You know, don't you don't appoint maybe if you're elderly, don't appoint just the person who's helping take care of you the most. Or, you know, you think think about it, you know, and if you have enough assets, if there's enough there to really be worried about it, maybe a, a professional, maybe a CPA, maybe an attorney, maybe uh, your investment advisor, maybe there's someone uh, professional who, who should be doing this for you. Um, again, assuming what your asset level is, you know, um, but something something to be wary of, something that definitely happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen to to anybody who's listening today. But Morgan, we, we see that a lot. So hopefully this has been helpful to, to some of our listeners. Again, folks, it's all about the legalese. Just got to ask the question and you can get answers. There's going to be an opportunity again for you to get answers to your questions. You can always call Whitaker and Hamer where you can find our managing partners and hosts of this program, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer and their staff of attorneys, uh, which include Cassandra Nicholas and also Taylor Scruggs Smith and Ashley Penner, uh, all part of the team at Whitaker and Hamer. You can always call this number 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what that call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And as Josh and Joe have already said today, you can always email your questions to the program and they will be answered on air. Uh, we'll leave names and, uh, you know, the certain situations out, but we'll talk about that that issue for you. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com is where you can send those questions. That's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back for a short wrap-up segment coming up next on The Outlaw Lawyers. Welcome back into the Outlaw Liars, hosted by Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. They are the managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Offices conveniently located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, and each and every week we get into legalese topics. You may have your own set of questions with an issue that you are facing. You can always call the firm, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what that call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate, and we are here to wrap up the program for this week. And we are going, are we going back to the movies? Is that what we're doing? Well, you know, uh, Joe Morgan, have you guys been to the Red Hat Amphitheater in Raleigh? Have you yes. guys been there? I know it's been a Yes, you have. Josh. Yes. <laughs> I had never yes, been before. Josh, you know, I live, I live, 10 minutes away from the Red Hat Amphitheater. And I had never been there before, like two weekends ago. I went and watched the show there. That's a nice place to watch the show. Yes, it is, man. Well, it I mean, I, even in the heat, Josh. Well, you know, I, 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 to, I will, I will chime in. I, I think when you drive by it, you're like, man, it's not that big. Boy, you get in there. It's a nice size facility. They put on a great show. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah, I don't, we I don't down- think you need a gigantic venue to enjoy a show. And, uh, it's a good setup, man. It's not too big. It's convenient. I, I am also a fan of the amphitheater. So I can agree with you on that, Josh. But it's, you know, the thing that struck me is it's, it's which is great, right? It's right in the heart of downtown Raleigh. It's very accessible. Uh, parking, you know, you get what you get with parking right downtown. But it's it's a good venue. But what surprised me was like, you really could be anywhere within like a couple of blocks and enjoy the whole 
show without buying a ticket, right? Most of the amphitheaters are kind of out of the way, right? You know, if you're there and you're in the parking lot, you can kind of hear what's going on. But uh, I feel like I could have just like sat in a chair like a block away and probably really enjoyed the show. I don't know if so you're, is this that. your proposal to bootleg concerts at the Red Hat? You know, <laughs> just pull up in a chair and just post up on the street. Well, we ended up we ended up parking a- in one of the decks that uh, if you get high enough up, I mean, I think you can see right in uh, to Red Hat, and you can certainly. I mean, I, I don't think the acoustics would be great, but yeah, I mean, you could you could probably enjoy it if you just uh, took a cooler and tailgated in the parking deck, but. Uh, yeah, I think they do a fantastic job there. The The thing that always kind of shocks me when I go to concerts, not just Red Hat, just anywhere, it's just the the cost of a beer. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a beer but, guy. Well, that's how they get you. That's a, that's you're supposed to pregame real hard, Morgan. You're supposed to pregame <laughs> real hard, so you only, need, you only need to maintain while you're there. Spoken like a true pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy but, knows uh, what he's talking about. The, no, I enjoyed it. I, I, can't, I can't believe... It's taken me this long to get there. There's been a lot of shows that have been there, but we've either been at a football game or our kids had something. So, like, there's been, like, 10 to 15 things that we would have gone to, and we couldn't. And, and like I said, finally got there. So I was uh, I was pretty impressed by it. That has nothing – there's nothing legal about that whatsoever. That's just, a, that's just an observation I wanted to share with uh, Joseph and, and you, Morgan. Thank All you right. for that. So, so no movies, huh? So we're just talking Red Hat. Josh doesn't. Concerts. Josh isn't a movie guy and doesn't see them very often. Well, well, so we he, were pre-gaming. He, we were talking about scary movies. I thought we yeah, were going there. Maybe one. Maybe we'll get him to watch some this week, and he can come back prepared <laughs> as we enter the spooky movie season. He watch, watch oh, it, yeah. watch it, and we'll see how yeah, you do. Man. I've read, so I read the book. Like I've read it, Ooh, uh, yeah, but if I watch the movie, it, I'm watching the TV series with Harry Anderson. That's the one I'm going to watch. I'm not going to watch the movie right. if I'm going to watch anything. All right. Probably won't. All right, gentlemen. Well, we are wrapping up the program. Again, if you are facing a legal situation and you need some answers, I've got a phone number for you. 800-659-1186. That'll get you in touch with Whitaker and Hamer. Again, that's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information and briefly what the call is about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the program, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and we will answer them on future shows. Another Outlaw Lawyer in the books josh and joe have a great week we'll talk to you next week right here on the radio hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of the show, contact us directly.